podcast. Podcast. Hello and welcome to Pumping Up the Podcast. I'm your host, Elise Eldridge. Today we are breaking down Season 1, Episode 10 of Hannah Montana. It's called, Oh Say Can You Remember the Words? And I am joined today by my friend Karen Garcia. Hi, Karen. I'm so glad you could join me today. Hi, Elise. Prior to when you were watching it uh, to prepare for this episode, did did any of this ring bells for you? Was any of this familiar? Uh, did you watch this episode back in the day? Um, yeah, so I didn't remember it by title or anything at all. Um, but the second I pressed play, there were some things I immediately was like, oh, right, right, right. And then some moments that I actually have been, I have remembered for years that have been like some of my standout Hannah Montana moments happened to be in this episode. So I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, I just, I, I, I watched the whole series and watched the movie and went to the concerts and everything, but um, somehow I've forgotten a lot of the plot points. Um, <laughs> but this one happened to stand out. So yeah. Yeah, this one, I remember, like, the key moment of this episode very well, which is, um, like, the fruit fly bit. Yep. I remembered that very well. And I remembered Oliver and also Robbie Ray changing the line from Romeo and Juliet to yonder window breaks wind. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) A riotous joke, apparently. (laughs) Um... And this is also um, a very Oliver-heavy plot, which we haven't gotten many of thus far. And it's also a Hannah-heavy plot, which I was surprised at how many of these episodes have been like very light on the Hannah Montana factor. Mm. So it felt due for both of those. The episode starts with them in drama class <laughs> with a another wacky teacher character. Um, although <laughs> this one makes multiple appearances all throughout the series. He's in like eight episodes or something. And he's very memorable. His name, I think, was Mr. Corelli. And I wrote that, I wrote, he clearly wants to be Jack Black. <laughs> oh my God. I Okay, yeah, that makes sense. But also in the moment, I... I'm used to like wacky teacher characters in shows for kids or shows in general, but this one didn't seem like it couldn't be real. Like, no, exactly. Some really strange, like, I feel like of all teachers, drama teachers are some of the quirkier ones. They're um, the easiest to parody. (laughs) To be diplomatic about it. Yeah, exactly. So I wasn't like, you know, super shocked that um, he was weird. Dude was weird. Yeah, I I wrote that the thing is that this wasn't that far off from, like, the middle school drama classes that I took. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, a lot of similar exercises, like, they do trust falls, and they do um, the mirroring exercise, which, for the record, they make you do that um, in college theater classes as well. And so I guess Miley and Lily are talking about how there's an upcoming, like, pairs assignment in drama class and neither one of them wants to get paired with Oliver um I guess Miley accidentally volunteers herself to uh be paired with Oliver and he's a real ham uh as you can imagine (laughs) um and they're doing a a scene from Romeo and Juliet and they really make you think it's going to be the balcony scene because of right. how many times they quote the balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet. And because the teacher says, or I'm sorry, Mr. Corelli, um, <laughs> because he says, um, you're going to have to kiss. Like that was in the script. So you really do yeah. think it's going to be something like an iconic moment or something. Yeah. And it ends up, spoilers for like the final scene of this episode, but it ends up that they're doing like the death scene from the very end. Yeah. Which doesn't, I, it's an odd choice to do. Also, at the end, I noticed that Miley and Oliver are the only ones wearing costumes, even though everyone else was also doing performances that day. We, like, see another group finish up, and they're just in their normal clothes. So I was a little confused as to why uh, only they had to dress up. <laughs> Miley had all the budget, you know? She, she <laughs> self-funded this project. That is that is a possible explanation. I think more likely... Um, they just didn't want to pay for all those kids to wear like big poofy dresses and stuff. 
<laughs> they, the producers of Hannah Montana, or whoever handles the costumes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Miley and Oliver are uh, back at her house and they're attempting to rehearse. And Oliver just keeps like quoting the line that we mentioned earlier, which again is from the scene that they do not end up doing. Um, he does that like that trick where like you wrap your arms around your back and like pretend like you're kissing someone thing, um, which I also feel is kind of dated. <laughs> yeah. I, feel, I mean, honestly though, but at that point, I feel like with kids, like anything like that goes though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, by that, by that point, I think I'd seen that a few times in my life. Yeah. And then Oliver holds up two oranges to his eyes and says that he's a fruit fly, which is supposed to be a joke. <laughs> it, I can tell it was it had the cadence of a joke um, <laughs> um, and they they do like a flashback because Oliver's explaining how he's super nervous and he's always had stage fright or whatever um, they do a flashback of Oliver dressed as like tiny Abraham Lincoln um, doing the Gettysburg address but then he forgets his lines and he does the fruit fly thing again he like pulls out fruit from behind his yeah. back and does it <laughs> so at least he's consistent you know yeah the, the joke carried he he decided to to carry it for a few years i what i thought was funny about that is that the fruit fly thing was is such a memorable thing and i feel like they yes. use that in the title sequence too um but like i remember everything about that joke down to like well mostly when miley redoes it when she's mm-hmm. trying to like you know endear herself to him again um i remember that so vividly um, and I also noticed that like a lot of these, I mean, we all know about the iconic Hannah Montana main song, um, but it's now like a heavily memed thing. Um, and I don't know, I, I was just really struck by a lot of things like that in this episode that I think have kind of persisted through time, um, including Billy Ray's comedic timing, which I think is surprisingly good. Yeah, Billy Ray gets a lot to do on this show. He gets more to do than I would say the average parental character on a Disney Channel show gets. Um, he he gets to, like, give a, um advice-filled talk to his daughter once an episode. He often gets to sing. He gets to make fun of the son character. <laughs> he, he, uh, he has lots of one-liners. And the studio audiences always love him. They yes. eat up everything he does with a little spoon. Um, <laughs> and Robbie Ray actually had like one of my favorite lines in this episode, which I wrote down, which is that Shakespeare is very important and you'll use it every day of your life. Like fractions. I'm using them right now. <laughs> yeah. And he like walks out of the room. Yeah. He's like sticking his foot in his mouth. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I thought that was really funny, and I, I was also, I don't know, I thought, th- I thought all the Jackson stuff was funny, um, and I don't know if you remember, but like when this was first airing, and when I was, you know, a very young person watching it, um, it was kind of like a big deal when we found out that the actor who played Jackson was like in his thirties. Like people yeah. were <laughs> talking about that, and now I'm like he looks fine like he, it totally makes sense but it's such a funny thing to see as like a kid you think that that's like so old and it's like no he looks fine and like like a he looks like a fine young person actually <laughs> I, I i'll say um i don't think he looks 16 which is how old he's supposed to be oh absolutely not but he doesn't look ancient yeah he looks kind of comparable to like some of the 30 year olds that played teens on glee you know yes. um and the the only real difference is that you can tell that they were like very clearly trying to make him look younger on this show in mm-hmm. a way that I think often backfired a little bit. <laughs> like they yeah. would they would have him dress a certain way or do certain bits that like I was like that seems like they're trying to aggressively make us believe that he's young or even younger than 16, which is how old he's supposed to be. You mean like it's especially weird choice regarding age and like plot points they give him is the one in this episode with like the the allusions to addiction and have like the candy addiction and and how it's it's kind of like an aa plot but like four kids <laughs> of AA. it was so funny because it was just like down to like the um 
you know, you, you, the first step is admitting you have a problem and, um, like your life spiraling out of control. And he gets to the point where he's slurping maple syrup at breakfast. I was like, wow, is this like the adult plot point or is this like a Nancy Reagan say, just say no type thing? But like for kids. <laughs> It was so, it was so heavy handed. <laughs> oh my God. Um, no. So, I mean, yeah, now that you've brought it up, we can talk about the B plot, uh, and kind of recap that it's, it starts off where you think it's going to be a Rico B plot where Rico is just messing with Jackson the whole time. Um, cause we get lots of those, but Rico's only like the impetus for the B plot. He like kicks it off. Um, because Jackson was, like, instructed by Rico's rich father to, like, hide Rico's candy stash from him. And Jackson's solution is to just eat all of it. And he gets super hyped up on the candy and then spirals into addiction, basically. (laughs) Very, very quickly. There's no mincing words. He spirals into addiction. (laughs) Like, it's not... I mean, it's, it's played for laughs every step of the way but like you said earlier it's very (laughs) like if you were to remove the context of it um it is very much like he developed a real addiction um (laughs) he he initially says to Rico and this is not really relevant but he says to Rico about his dad wanting him to hide the candy that your dad called and your x-rays are so bad that they're hanging them in the dentist's lobby to scare everyone else which I thought was a pretty sick burn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the equivalent of like a, I don't know, like a bad liver or like dark lungs or something. Like it's just like, you know, like it's trying to scare you away from the substance. <laughs> so, so they also find out that Jackson has like, for lack of a better term, like a fetish for chocolate bunnies. Oh my God. I'm so glad you brought this up because when I was watching it, the voice that they give this chocolate bunny isn't you, you I can't describe it as anything else other than seductive, okay? And yes, that was okay. that was a lot actually. Yeah. It was it was very interesting. So, Jackson to gloss over the B plot. The B plot is Jackson gets addicted to sugar. We get lots of scenes of him very obnoxiously finding new ways to consume sugar. Like you mentioned, he's slurping a plate full of maple syrup with a crazy straw. He is like eating every candy bar in sight and and he's obsessed with chocolate bunnies and he eats like two of them in one sitting. At the end, he has kicked his sugar addiction after having a vision of himself as an obese person. On the um, beach. Which just for the record looks like they put like you know those pictures of like guys wearing like fifty t-shirts at once. Literally, yes. It looks <laughs> that's like that's what it, it looks, it looks like. like. Joey from Friends in that one scene. with all the clothes on. <laughs> yeah, or like when you're swimming in a pool and you like expand your swimsuit and it, yeah. fills, it gets full of water and you just look like that's what it looked like. Like no effort was put into this. Um, and also, like, they make Rico walk by with, like, two hot babes that are, like, oh, one yes. full foot taller than him. Um, and he tries and to get wearing, up to join he's them. He's wearing, like, and, a like, muscle suit. Yeah, exactly. He tries to get up to join them, but he can't because, you know, he's just, he's just too big. And that's the, and that's the, that's the gag. Um, and I feel like, you know, not to get too into it, but I feel like that, like, jokes like that wouldn't necessarily fly in 2020. Um, for like that specific audience um, but yeah so he has this ridiculous vision and realizes that you know he has to stop <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so at the end once he's kicked his addiction he starts hallucinating that the pillows on his couch are chocolate bunnies and they are talking to him in in like what can only be described as a sexy voice um, and it's exacerbated by the fact that they repeatedly call him big boy. Oh <laughs> my God. That was the worst part. It's like, it's exactly what you think. It's like when someone imitates Marilyn Monroe or like a playboy bunny or something like that kind of whispery baby woman voice. Yes. But it was also clearly like pitched up. Yeah. Um. So it was kind of like, 
hey there, big boy. It was like very weird. It was sounded like, like um, say, but yes, <laughs> it sounded like uh, kind of like uh, the like mean girl character from Singing in the Rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was man the big boy thing i think was certainly you know a choice of words um and he like is tempted by the bunny but then you know is able to steer straight <laughs> and not fall into temptation yeah it it is an odd choice for a show designed for children that these chocolate buddies would be seductively calling a teen boy big boy <laughs> and trying to get him to eat them it's in things like that where I wonder if they, it's one of those jokes they put in like for the parents or something. Like, I don't understand. I don't know, or, or, I don't know that a parent would think it was funny. <laughs> right. Or like, maybe they just wanted to be a l- like a little edgy and like slip something in. But um, yeah, uh, big boy, that's mm, all right. <laughs> yeah, it's really something. <laughs> um, so, well, now we fully covered the A plot or the B plot. Now that's, That's out of the way. Although I will say um, this episode sort of started a trend that I noticed where um, the B plot is like more seamlessly integrated into the A plot, not in the sense that the plots overlap, but that Mm -hmm. they won't just do like a smash cut to where Jackson is. You know, they'll have like a character be in the same room as him and then they'll leave and then we'll get the Jackson part. Um, And I noticed... um, like in the next episode, the B plot is done in a similar way. That's a little more cohesive and a little less jarring. <laughs> For right. example, there is there is an episode, the one before this one, uh, like all the kids go on a camping trip, and then we keep getting these smash cuts back to Billy Ray at home, like trying to catch a mouse. And it has nothing to do with the A plot. And they only they would cut back to it for like 30 seconds at a time and then just go back to the A plot. And it was very jarring <laughs> jarring is the yeah. only word for it i mean yeah they do have plenty i mean not plenty maybe not plenty but some interactions between um miley and jackson which like you said kind of serve to connect the two stories and um they even kind of like tease each other a little bit and like it's a whole thing so it's it makes sense it doesn't feel out of place um and i know exactly what you mean i feel like sometimes in, in those shows it's just like just really shoehorning a b-plot in there just for the sake of having one um but there's no um art to it i guess <laughs> there's no craft <laughs> where is the craft in hannah montana i demand it i demand it um, so back at the a plot miley's like trying to convince oliver that it's like okay to be nervous but that he doesn't need to be and she's like you know i still get nervous every time i go out on stage as hannah montana and then robbie ray lets her know that she's been asked to sing the national anthem for the lakers game and she's immediately very excited and clearly not nervous and Oliver like calls her out um i did want to give proper attention to the fact that hannah montana was asked to sing the national anthem at the lakers game right <laughs> yeah um and the fact that when they like, and like listen i know i know but when they shoot the lakers scene she's like it's it it's just like a, a room and there's no echo or anything there's no and she's just in a room um but i think i'm getting too far ahead of it um so yeah if she doesn't get nervous oliver is like clearly you don't and she says well i'm hannah montana you know this, this is kind of my job um and then wouldn't you know it something happens <laughs> wouldn't you know it um <laughs> why don't we go ahead and take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about what it is that happens Ooh, oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so Miley as Hannah singing the national anthem at the Lakers game. Um, you did mention the set work was not particularly well done. Uh, she's just standing in front of like a very large American flag and singing. Um <laughs> And and to her credit, she sounds very good in this. Yes. Um, but then she messes up. She uh, flubs the words. She start. She sings the line from Romeo and Juliet again, which she doesn't end up doing for that scene later. But she sings through <laughs> yonder window breaks, <laughs> and then she forgets the rest of the words to the song. 
And everyone at the Lakers game boos her and throws food and garbage at her. Um, It's very reactive. It's very like the shame, shame, shame scene from Game of Thrones. Um, It's a lot. And she, you know, freezes completely. And then after that, she kind of gets into her head and is unable to act as she once was you know she gets really nervous before performances um and you know this is where the moral of the story starts to pick up (laughs) um I yeah I I did think it was I mean obviously for the story it makes sense the the crowd would have that reaction but would they really be booing like a 15 year old girl for flubbing the words the national anthem I feel like they would instead feel bad for her. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like when you're at Cirque du Soleil and you see someone kind of flub, you're not mad <laughs> at them because they like, you know, are messing up your show. You feel bad for them and you want them to do well and you feel sincere pity for them because you know it's embarrassing. Um, especially when she's like so young and she was doing a perfectly fine job before. Um, yeah, that was definitely a weird reaction. Yeah, strange. I think I I... I personally am not familiar with this incident, but I have been told by my boyfriend who knows more about basketball history than me that one time at like a Blazers game, a young girl was singing the anthem and forgot the words and like the coach of the Blazers like helped her finish. Um, And that like endeared people to him for like the rest of his career. And um, it wouldn't match the plot of this episode, but I do like to think that somebody there would have tried to help the fledgling teen pop star. Right, they would have, tr- or at least they would have like turned off the lights or something. Granted, it was a pretty <laughs> short clip. Like you, you know, you just kind of see her freeze, and then the oh well, oh yeah, um, transition <laughs> happens. So it's you don't see the the full thing, but um, yeah. And is is the next scene? Is it is it before or after this when she's sitting with um, with her dad and Oliver walks in on her, basically saying that she doesn't want him as a partner because he's bringing her down. That was before this, and I'm glad you brought that up because uh, Miley is shit-talking Oliver to her dad, and he, like, enters the house and hears her. Um, But she compares him to the Titanic, and she tries to cover once she sees that he's there by saying that she meant the movie, which was successful and made a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Which was actually really funny. (laughs) It it, it is funny. But, like, I think think Mitchell Musso... um, he, he did a great job looking disappointed, which, by the way, sidebar, what happened to him anyway? Um, yeah, so he walks in on her basically saying that um, that she doesn't want to be embarrassed in front of the whole class because he can't remember the lines. And it's taking her big joke is that it's taking him longer to remember the lines than it took Shakespeare to write the play. Um And yeah, he always gets his feelings hurt. He's like, you said that you were going to stand by me. Um, he walks out and then she kind of gets defensive um which i thought was an interesting choice she was like i shouldn't feel bad about this um he you know he is essentially defending what she said but still feeling bad that she hurt him that's i would say a lot of uh miley's attitude and like a lot of these episodes is she she can be kind of mean to her friends and mm. she has to kind of get reined in uh, by her dad or her conscience, whichever comes first. <laughs> Is it not the same? Yeah, well, <laughs> in, in many cases it is. <laughs> so after she messes up at the Lakers game, uh, every news channel is like showing how she messed up the words and is like making fun of her, which I again think is odd. Like every news channel is like, Hannah Montana fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> over what's like a pretty benign mistake <laughs> yeah and lily walks in her like boho boho chic outfit um and miley initially forgets that, sh- that it happened she's like i just had the craziest dream and lily was like yeah so it's not a dream which i thought was a funny um trope to stick in there because you would you would think that you know it would have it would have stuck with her a little longer. Um, well, she, she then says that she was like, "You couldn't have even played along." <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and they, then Lily says, "Let's watch TV to get your mind off of it." She's on every channel, um, and then you know she she gets invited to go to another event. Yeah, she she is uh, asked to perform on a show called Top Rockers, 
And they say top rockers like six times as if we know what show that is. Right. Um, even though it's an in-universe show. It's within the HMU, the Hannah Montana universe. <laughs> um, <laughs> the real, the real cinematic universe that I want to watch. Yeah. I this comes up when she then performs at the thing. Um, but I also feel like the other kids at Miley's school. Um, would probably be able to put together that she's Hannah Montana just based off of what happened. Exactly. That's what I thought too. Because like, she's the right age. She just sang a line from Romeo and Juliet, which every kid in their drama class is also working on. And she has the same face. Yeah, she has the (laughs) same face. I feel like that would be enough to get them to put it together. And Almost every episode has at least one thing in it where it's like, okay, either the kids at Miley's school or some person on the internet would have cracked the case by now. <laughs> they would have yeah. broken the story. <laughs> Especially seeing like the the like TikTok teens, like the Gen Z kids who like are able to find anything on the internet in like 1.5 minutes with sources the conspiracies are out of this world like there is just no way there's no way mm-hmm. um especially considering that she's like she lives in the city where she is a superstar like <laughs> it's just right there yeah. how many kids are doing shakespeare that week of the same age <laughs> yeah we also on this podcast kind of chart uh hannah montana's rising level of fame uh, because she thus far, as far as we've seen, has exclusively played concerts in LA. Um, and so it seems like she's maybe just like a local celebrity. Um, mm. But in recent episodes, um, more and more celebrities have been mentioned as like inviting her to things or being at her show. And we do get one big celebrity mention in this, which is that apparently Leonardo DiCaprio threw a foam finger at Hannah Montana when yes. she messed up the words. <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned that because I love that for even like four kids, a Leo reference was like cool and of the time. And I'm not sure that if you made that joke in a Disney Channel show in 2020, I, I don't think you could. Like, I don't think kids would get or care about Leonardo DiCaprio in 2020, um, you know, being 10 years old or something. Yeah, for sure. This is tangential to the B-plot, but it is right here in my notes. Um, And we didn't mention that one of the antics that Jackson does to prove that he is addicted to sugar is he steals a beehive and then he eats honey directly from the beehive. You love to see it, you know? You love to see it. That's definitely how it works. Um. (laughs) It's it's actually pretty simple. I don't know if you've like ever tried it, but... um... (laughs) It's a pretty, pretty accessible source. <laughs> <laughs> you just grab the beehive and then you really quickly run into your house and shut the door so that no bees get inside. Yeah. Um, life hack, honestly. We've all done it. We've all done it. <laughs> We've all done it. <laughs> um, uh, also, um, Jackson, uh, Jackson's down working at the surf shack and a little girl, um, which is a Noah Cyrus cameo, her second cameo on the show so far, I believe. Um, and her mom are like walking along and the girl has an ice cream cone and she drops it in the sand and her mom makes her leave it. And Jackson goes and he eats the ice cream from where it is laying in the sand. Good God. Good God. (laughs) And this like weird slow music plays. It's very odd and off-putting <laughs> but in any case and we already know how that story ends it's part of the saga of jackson getting seduced by sweets um yeah there does really, seem to be a sexual component to it for him it's it's kind of it's kind of a fetish and i you know what else is there to say um they put that in a disney channel show <laughs> <laughs> this is only episode 10 of Hannah Montana and Especially they're into it. The fact that somebody in the sound editing room had to like have a selection of sounds and specifically was like, yes, we're going to slow this down a little bit and add this music on it. Um, I'm choosing this voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Someone had to like go into the booth and like lay down the vocals for the chocolate bunnies and then some sound engineer had to change the pitch and put it in the scene just right like someone had to lovingly do these things for this imagine imagine coming home from that day of work 
and, and having to explain. Yeah, I mean, we there's this chocolate bunny, and then I recorded the thing, and it's probably going to be a little higher pitched, but I had to kind of like you know like make a play for the kid. Just <laughs> <laughs> sex it up a little bit for the 16 year old boy. <laughs> it was the direction I was given. Um, I'm 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 just a voice actor. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I I was going to mention that. Um, you know, when, when when Miley gets invited to Top Rockers, I'm sorry, Hannah Montana, when she gets invited to Top Rockers, she um, she's really scared because she's afraid that she's going to forget the the memories, the memories, mm-hmm. forget the, the words to her own song. And Lily, I was, um, I kind of forgotten that Lily keeps it real with her. And she was like, she essentially goes like, well, the, the, do you feel bad now that this is how you made, um, this is how you made our friend feel? Um and there's like a moment of like recognition, you know, but I, I, I kind of forgot that I, I guess I got kind of used to, to Disney Channel shows, um, really, uh, I guess, enabling the main character or like defending them. But I liked that Lily straight up told her like, yeah, you messed up, you made Oliver, Oliver feel bad. And now you, you should be able to realize that. And she says that to her, like in her moment of stress too. She doesn't even like really wait, um, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, Lily is a very good friend, and she is very ride or die for Miley, but she is, like, real about it. She she doesn't, you know, put up with Miley's shit, for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Um, in addition to uh, needling Miley about um, her troubles with Oliver, she also makes cue cards with the lyrics to this is the life on them (laughs) to help her get through the performance um which top rockers is i guess supposed to be like an mtv unplugged sort of analog exactly Um, it's very much that vibe it's in like a small room with a small audience and like really only like a guitar player and like there might also be like a keyboard player on stage it's not like a full setup from the other concerts we see from her there's a pretty, there's like a decent sequence of physical comedy with Lily and the cue cards and Miley trying to read them. <laughs> it's pretty funny because uh, Lily keeps jumping up and down because she's kind of vibing <laughs> with the song. <laughs> and um, she obviously she's like holding the cue cards above her head. Miley has to start jumping up and down on stage, like bobbing her head up and down, trying to you know keep keep reading them. And then she ends up like kind of doing like a back bend on the stage <laughs> to contort herself she can read these cue cards and it's not me that miley cyrus is a is a pretty talented comedic actor like she's she has good physical she, she does good slapstick she has good timing i think she makes she i think her the tone of her voice really lends itself to um i mean it's very you know it's miley cyrus like it's not it's not an easily mistakable voice mm-hmm. um but that combined with like the drawl and like the physical comedy. I just think it works really well, actually. Yeah. I've been very impressed with both uh, Miley Cyrus's performance and Emily Osmond's performance. I think they both were very well cast mm-hmm. and um, both of them are great. Like ignoring how their characters act <laughs> and like the yeah. weird lines they sometimes have to say, they both are giving very good performances. Um, especially, you know, at like the Disney Channel level, yeah. <laughs> when, yeah. when you compare them to like comparable um, Disney Channel stars, I think that they stand out for sure. Yeah, I agree. Even even people within the same show, like um, I think they're kind of no offense, acting some circles around people like Moises Arias, who um, <laughs> I know like he's still working, and I'm glad. And he was a very small child when he was doing that, so like no judgment on him. Um, but I think it's very clear that they, I don't know, they're, they're, they're putting the work in. You can tell. Yeah. Um, another bit with the cue cards is Lily forgets to like go to the next one. And yeah. so, and so Hannah Montana just has to sing. Yeah. I love how I feel right now. Like eight times before <laughs> Lily gets the message to change the card. Yep. And then she ends up um, kind of falling on stage and having a moment um, where she, just forgets everything yeah lily like falls in like the crowd or whatever and loses her cue card and so miley can't like see the words she can't keep up and so she just like she just 
sits on the ground and like <laughs> acts really sad and dejected that she messed up. And it's, it's pretty sad. I like really felt for her in that moment. Um, but Oliver then comes through. He starts singing the song and everyone in the crowd joins him and they don't sound good. Um, but, <laughs> but they give her the confidence to get back up. And then after that, she doesn't have a problem. She remembers all the words. Was um, Hannah Montana the little girl in the Blazers game from, from your boyfriend's story? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I, that is one of my, I think, my favorite tropes in TV and movies. It's like it's definitely kind of an overdone thing, but it's kind of like the Mean Girls thing. If someone forgets the lines and then the whole crowd joins in and um, it ends up being even better than you expected. Um, but I, I like it. I don't know. I think it's kind of a sweet trope and it's fun to see. Um, and especially it's nice to see that her friend came through for her, even though like he didn't have to. Because and she had like episode, been mean to him. <laughs> she'd been mean to him. And earlier in the episode, she she sees that Oliver gets, you know, is at the top Augers performance. And she says to Lily, like, oh, what is he doing here? Um, I think and Lily says, like, he's he's here to support you. And she says, or he's here to laugh at me. And Lily kind of plays into the joke and goes, yeah, we're that. Um, but. So she clearly feels bad about it and she's aware that she messed up, but um, Oliver still pulls through for her and is there to support her. Um, and that was, that, that was a nice thing, I think, for her to both recognize that she messed up and that she didn't really necessarily deserve his kindness without apologizing, um, but that it happened anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she finishes This Is The Life and then I was very excited. She sings Who Said which we have not seen on the show prior to this. And I was like, oh my God, this is the first appearance of Who Said. I love Who Said. Um, it's it's not my favorite song from the first season of Hannah Montana, but it's definitely up there. Um, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of fun nuances if you listen to like the studio version of Who Said. Um, and it slaps. Okay, Who Said slaps. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, it is, it is, it's pretty good. Um, it also reminds me a lot of the Selena Gomez song, the one where she like is shrieking. Um, oh, yeah. Like, Who says you're not perfect? But there's this one line. And God, I just I hate it's it. Oh, I hate the way she says it. She ends up shrieking like, who says you're not perfect? Who says you're not worth it? And she goes, can you tell me who said it? Yeah. <laughs> and it's such like a high pitched thing and like such an awkward line to stick in there so watching this episode made me remember this is the superior adjacent version to that that came earlier also by the way um and yeah I would like get, many years <laughs> yeah i would rather get this song stuck in my head um by far compared to the selena shriek <laughs> <laughs> this is the portion of the show where we roast selena gomez for a brief moment <laughs> me an intellectual i prefer the <laughs> hannah montana version actually so like, get wrecked selena <laughs> oh my gosh um and i think that this was miley cyrus singing live on the set and she sounded really good and yeah. i have always maintained even when it has been not cool to like miley cyrus i've always maintained that she has a very impressive voice and she always has and it's cool to say that again now. Mm-hmm. Especially with her covers. Yes. Um, everybody loves her covers. Um, but she she turns out like very solid vocal performances at a yeah. very young age on this yeah. show. I've never, I've gone through phases with Miley Cyrus, but um, I've never denied her talent. I think that I have at times thought like, you know, the nepotism helped a lot, which I do. I mean, I don't, I don't see how you can deny that, but I do think she's gotten to a point where she's proven herself to be a genuinely talented vocalist yes. and like very adept with specific genres um as a lot of us are realizing now i think she's really she fits really well into rock um which i think is surprising for a lot of people but um you know drop the covers album miley i will i will purchase it and um or you know at the very least favorite on spotify <laughs> <laughs> drop there the you album, go. Miley. <laughs> with that um that strong show of support. I'm sure she's gonna she's gonna follow my lead. <laughs> she's really inspired now. <laughs> um, so after Hannah finishes singing, who said she gives a nice little speech about how she was struggling at the start of the show, and then her friends helped her, and it's nice and it's touching, and that's pretty much the end of it because then we cut to Jackson watching from home on TV. Um, and then we get the weird, sexy chocolate bunny sequence, which we've already 
fully broken down. And then the very end of the episode is uh, Miley and Oliver doing their scene in their drama class. Again, wearing costumes when no one else is. And again, uh, doing a scene that is not the one that was the focus of the entire rest of the episode. (laughs) Exactly. And even the drama teacher is kind of trying to hurry it up. He's annoyed at that point. He's watched too many of these scenes. He tells them to to make it quick. And um, Miley says to... um, to Oliver, all you have to do is die. Remember, which I was like, okay, so what? What happened? So then, then? So then what were they rehearsing? Because he didn't exactly. have any lines. What was the thing? Oh, so then he dies, but he dies very slowly, mind you. He like really hams it up and does this whole like thing on the floor. Um, the bell rings. The students leave. They're kind of left behind, still in the scene. And Miley once again goes, "I'm telling you, longer than it took him to write the play," but. Um, but I, I don't know. That was that, that was. I felt like it was kind of an awkward end. But now that I'm thinking about it, they like they didn't even do the death scene the way that it plays out in the play. Exactly. Not that Hannah Montana is like the gold standard for getting the text right <laughs> for classic <laughs> theater, but but it's not it's not accurate. Um, they don't get the sequence of events correct. Right, because in the original play, Juliet seems to be dead. She's actually not. Um, Romeo decides to, you know, drink drink the poison. No. Yes. Yes, well, yes he just... Yes. yes, he drinks the poison. Um, wow, look at us. Mr. Mateo would not be proud. Um, <laughs> Shout out joke for like two people. Who's listening... Um, Elise and I have known each other for many years. We did go to high school together and we were in literature class together. And that was our literature teacher who um, would be embarrassed of us right now. So, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah. So then Romeo kills himself. Juliet wakes up from her slumber, like a maddening 20 seconds later. And then she decides to kill herself in return. So yeah, the, the sequence is totally not even accurate. Yeah. Because the way that Miley and Oliver do it is like, Miley is saying lines over Oliver's dead body, but he's not dead. He's, like, in the process of dying. Yes, exactly. And that's why, he, that's why it's taking, quote-unquote, so long. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it could maybe work if they were doing it where, like, she found him, like, as he was, like, I don't know, convulsing from drinking poison or right, something. Like but that wasn't how, time. that wasn't the tone of what they were doing. <laughs> And there wasn't a kiss either, because I feel like in the in the play, do they give each other one like one last kiss? One of them kisses each other when you know they're dying or something, and that did not happen. Um, which you know makes sense. You don't want to make the two main characters kiss in the first ten episodes of the series. But um, yeah, that was funny. And then then it ends. Yeah, that's that's the episode. Um, there weren't that many like notable outfits in this one. I would like to mention the juicy sweatsuit pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oliver um, had like the two main outfits that like stuck out to me just because he wears like at least two shirts at all times. Um, <laughs> and both collars on both shirts are always like popped to the max. You got to. There is, however, a very, very, very bad Lilia's Lola outfit, which is like the hallmark of the series at this point. <laughs> Um, she's wearing like an old lady cardigan with like a leopard print top and a big pearl necklace and a brooch. Um, I don't know where she gets these clothes. <laughs> and her iconic wig. Her iconic purple wig. Um, and then I'll also note that um, during the Top Rockers performance, um, Hannah is wearing the like outfit from the Best of Both Worlds title sequence with the crown on it, except there's a different jacket. Mm, good catch it's a similar jacket but it has like pink fabric coming out of the sleeves yeah that's interesting i i didn't really notice that to be honest with you i was i was kind of hung up on the the outfits at the beginning because like i said the juicy sweatsuit to me is just very of of its time Mm -hmm. um and i just you know lily lily's boho kind of hippie looks yeah she's um, wearing a shirt that says freedom on it in big text and like a really large red hat she's part of the resistance so you know she had to 
um, <laughs> she had to do her part and wear her, wear her shirt. Um, I, I really, yeah, like we already said it, but I really appreciate Emily Osment. I am though um, an Emily, not an Emily, but an Osment family stan. Um, I do love her brother, Haley Joel Osment. I maintain that he is one of the most talented child actors of all time. So it must be something in that family. <laughs> yeah, she, I... I consistently enjoy her on this. And I consistently think that um, even when she is given insane material, she is decent at pulling it off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talented child actors for sure. And especially with like, for it being the first season, they're still kind of getting used to it. They're used, they're new to acting. They're, they're new to the show, to the characters, the script. Um, it works. And it kind of, it makes sense why the show um, blew up and, and, and lasted for so long because yeah, it's. You, I think you could, as an executive, you could kind of make the facile argument that um, it's a plot that will just automatically appeal to young girls or young people in general. But it really is carried by the talent and like the the ownership that these actors have over their roles as children, which I think is actually very impressive. Mm-hmm. Well, we've kind of covered just about everything. Was there anything that we didn't touch on that? you feel the need to address and that you like need to tell people that this was a real thing that happened, anything like that. (laughs) Um, I, I mostly really appreciated the memories of this unlocked. Um, Mm -hmm. I think this would really only be relatable to people who are around our age. So if you were born in 95 or somewhere in that area, (laughs) um, (laughs) I feel like you would get this, but there's something very comforting about watching shows like this um it just yeah it kind of it kind of takes you back even down to like them eating meatloaf because i feel like growing up meatloaf was like the tv food and like now it'd be something (laughs) gluten-free or like organic or something not ragging on that at all times change but i just mean like it felt very of its time and um yeah it's it's it it was it was it was interesting to watch I, i i enjoyed it a lot yeah, this um this was an episode that as soon as I saw that it was coming up, I got excited. Mm-hmm. Um because this is one that was like very memorable for me and one that I think um like was in the rerun circulation pretty heavily. Yeah. So I've definitely had seen this one multiple times <laughs> when it was still fresh. <laughs> I this is um adjacent to this but also you know very much of it um i went to the cheetah girls hannah montana concert when um for one of my birthdays mm-hmm. um, i'm trying to remember what, how old i was but um it was it, it was it was to this day probably one of the best birth- birthdays i've ever had because it was just so exciting and something that i remember very clearly is seeing miley come out because she was the opener for the cheetah girls so this was back when like the cheetah girls were bigger than miley cyrus which is you <laughs> God, know can you imagine um, wow yeah and i remember her coming out on the stage and she was just like so skinny like such like a little like a little girl you know in her little like sparkly silver dress with her wig and she just like i remember so vividly she stood in the middle of the stage and like kind of kept her arms in and just like held her microphone in the middle i don't know if she was nervous but like i still have a picture of it that actually that i took with um with my my mom's like old ass (laughs) camera um so I still have I still have a picture of her at the concert, but it's really striking to me to see how Miley Cyrus's career has developed and like the longevity she's had, and how I saw her when she was kind of timid and scared to be in front of people, and her voice I mean, she kind was kind of so small. young, yeah, so young, and she was still you know out there doing it with her little um, cropped black leggings um, <laughs> under her silver dress, which you know um, we stand. So. I don't know. It, it, it's it's really cool to see how her career has developed. I don't, you know, I don't uh, sign off on all of Miley's artistic or personal life choices, but I don't think <laughs> anything to do with it. I think that um, it's interesting to see how she's how she's grown as an artist, and I I would not recognize her, you know, from that little girl that I saw what fifteen years ago, maybe. Yeah. Um, you are, I think, like the third guest that has actually been to a Hannah Montana concert. Wow. Like, and it's funny because no one's been to like a Miley Cyrus concert, but like multiple people have like actually seen Hannah Montana. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not enough of a Miley Cyrus music like catalog fan. I think to go to a Miley Cyrus concert, I like her, you know, her. Um, 
but I don't know enough, enough of her original songs. Um, that being said, if she ever toured with the Meet Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana album, um, oh, God. I would sacrifice many things for tickets. I, I would I, definitely go to that. <laughs> if I could see, see you again in person, it's over. Like, it's it's really, let's pack it in. I've lived enough. Like, that was the last thing I needed to see. I, I really think it would just be a highlight of my life because that song still slaps. I still sing that in my car on the way home from work. And um, it's, you know, you know, she's got her, she's got her mindset on you and she's, she's ready, she's ready to wait. So. Yeah. The, the music of like the first half of Hannah Montana is all so much better than it needed to be. And like, it really, it shouldn't be that surprising that it was like the number one, like the first Hannah Montana soundtrack was like the number one album for a few weeks. <laughs> right. Um, but like, it was when I was like feeling nostalgic and listening to Hannah Montana songs on my iPod one day that I got the idea to do this show. Like oh. I was, I was just living for listening to, you know, the first Hannah Montana album and then Hannah Montana to meet Miley Cyrus, which is, an iconic double album. <laughs> like I, I don't use that word lightly, um, even though I kind of have this episode. It, in my in my life, in my world, it is iconic. Like I, that album was the soundtrack. I remember probably having my my, my friends had posters of her in our, in our rooms, and like we all just kind of stared at her in her plastic ass wig, and we're like, she is so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> this is the picture of a feminine beauty. <laughs> I'm. I remember when uh, you went to that Hannah Montana and Cheetah Girls concert, um, and mm-hmm. I remember being so jealous. I was extremely jealous um, because I obviously you gotta love Cheetah Girls, and Hannah Montana was like the coolest <laughs> at the time. She was, yeah, she was very, very cool. I think I kind of um, slightly aged out of her of Hannah Montana by the end. I, I think yeah. I do think I finished I, it. I, I saw like none of the last season. I think I've seen like one episode from the fourth season and of the third season, we're going to find out how much of it I've seen. I don't think I've seen that much, to be honest. I think most yeah. of what I saw was from the first two seasons. Yeah, I, I think I finished it. I mean, I, I want to say that because I do remember the scene where she's leaving home, but maybe it's just that I watched that episode to, to see what it was like. I think um, that is maybe the case for me as well. Yeah, because I, I don't actually remember any of the plot at the end. Um, I think I looked up the episode where people find out she's Hannah Montana because, I mean, it's not really a spoiler because that had to happen. Sorry. Had to happen. <laughs> um, but I think I remember watching that just, just out of curiosity. But I don't think at that point I was like a, you know, a continuous fan. Um, I did absolutely go see the movie, though. And um, in theaters with a Jamba Juice. So you know, you had to. It was it was a rite of passage if you'd seen if you'd seen the show. I I had not seen the Hannah Montana movie until like a little over three years ago, I think. Mm. And uh I did not enjoy it. <laughs> you didn't love the hoe down throwdown? I I I couldn't tell you really about specific parts. I just know that I didn't like the experience. Um, and it's become a bit of a running joke on this show that I will one day have to watch it again to cover it for this podcast. And I am extremely not looking forward to it. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's, you're, we're a ways off from that for sure. But, um, if, and when the time comes, I would, it would be an honor to watch it together because I, I have not seen it since I think I saw it in theaters. Maybe once, maybe once it came out on DVD, I saw it, but that would have been around the same time. Um, and yeah, I don't think it was that good. I just remember Lucas Till. Is that his name? That's like, a person. The love. <laughs> I know blonde, that that's a person. <laughs> blonde, like farmer boy love interest. I think you're right. And how like he was like one of the wannabe it boys of the time. And then like nothing. Like it just <laughs> didn't happen for Lucas Till. Um, which, you know. Uh, it's completely fine with me actually but um yeah i remember super enjoying the movie but the the show in its earlier days was a big deal yeah we we kind of were in an interesting position where like the first season or two it was very exciting and we were very into it because we were in middle school um but then for the later stuff we transitioned to high school and Mm. oh yeah yeah, it just 
I, I think that's what it was and why we dropped off because it just wasn't <laughs> a priority anymore. At that point, we were watching stuff like Gossip Girl. So yeah. um, <laughs> very totally <I> yeah. different. <laughs> wow, secret Gossip Girl. I think I watched that in 2007 when it came out. In secret, though, because it was one of those shows that like I couldn't admit to, to watching at the age of 12. <laughs> no, yeah. So I I watched like the first season or two of Gossip Girl um, after they had already aired. And I remember um, I watched like the end of season two of Gossip Girl with you once. And then I watched it live uh, for the next like season or so. But my mom specifically banned me from watching it. She thought it was too adult for me. So then I had to sneak it. I had to watch it in secret. Yeah, I mean, even the ads for it, right? Remember, it was like your, your parents' worst nightmare. I'll forever remember the one of like, I think it was Blake, Blake Lively with her tongue out and like a cherry. Or yeah. Um, that to me was like, so now it's like nothing, right? But back then, I, I remember being just like, wow, this is so adult. <laughs> this is so sexual. Um, and it's like, you know, small potatoes now, especially with, I think, like, I, I, I do think shows for young people have gotten progressively um more risque like i feel like riverdale has done more way more than that and it's like or maybe something comparable like it's a different vibe but it is it doesn't feel as illicit now or there's not who, as, like, who is the target audience for riverdale is it high okay. schoolers it's i think it's middle school to high schoolers but did you know that the and i'm not lying this may have changed so if i'm on the record saying this and it's wrong this was at correct last year but as of last year, the most po- it was most popular with people 35 and up, which I think is fascinating. Like that was the big demo. I could kind of see that. I could see it as like a as like a binge show. Yeah, for- like a guilty pleasure, or like for people that have read all read all the RG comics and you know care about it. Um, I don't know how theory. many people that watch Riverdale are like big Archie comics fans. You know, I don't know, but that they're, they're I've never seen Riverdale. Amount, I shouldn't say anything. There's a surprising amount of 55 year olds who watched it. I also am saying this having not watched a single episode of Riverdale in my life. It's just really not my cup of tea. I I just it doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. Um, but I know that there's like um you know a uh, Riverdale army out there. So um, <laughs> <laughs> you should tread carefully. <laughs> tread lightly any final thoughts on this hannah montana episode um i enjoyed it i thought it was um i thought it was sweet it was it it was memorable i think it lays down the like some good conflict like you said reining miley in from her slight attitude problems and um making her a more more vulnerable character i think is good um i loved it makes me curious about other episodes to see how you know how they develop them later on but um yeah i think I've, i think i've mostly covered covered everything i wanted to say yeah i i also wanted to add that i liked um the way that they advanced uh miley and oliver's friendship in this episode we haven't gotten very much um of oliver in the a plot in a while mm. um and he also features heavily in the a plot for the next episode and it was nice seeing their like actual friend dynamic Um, Because we are extremely familiar with Miley and Lily's friendship dynamic. um, But it was nice to have Oliver added back into the mix. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't don't think I have much left either. I think we got deep into it. (laughs) I have a peripheral question for you. Yes. They they never make Oliver and Miley a thing, right? They never try to hint at it or suggest it being a thing. Is that right? Remembering correctly? Because it's mostly like him and Lily later on. Yes. So in the second episode of the series, um, before Oliver finds out that she's Hannah Montana, Oliver is like madly in love with Hannah Montana. And Miley is very concerned that if Oliver finds out her secret, that he will transfer that love to her. Um, But when she tells him, he's like, no, you're just my friend. You're more of a sister. Um, And I believe they don't push it any further than that um but he does start dating lily and we've like already seen the groundwork for that even though i think it's much later in the series when that happens Hmm. some good foreshadowing there for the the relationship of our times the otp (laughs) what's their their ship name uh lolliver i don't know (laughs) that was the first thing i thought of but it sounds bad so oh lily (laughs) I kind of like that more. It's, oh, really? It, 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 it harkens back to Shakespeare. 
you know, we're all about connections here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I liked it. I th- thank you for, for inviting me on. Um, it's been an honor. Yes, I'm so glad we were able to get you here and get you doing this. Um, it's, uh, like you said, we've known each other for a very long time. You are one of my closest friends. So it's only fitting that I had you on the show as well. And I'm very glad that you made time to do so. Absolutely. Especially on, you know, the special the special time in life that we're living. It's, it's, yes. it's, it's a good distraction. <laughs> For context, we are recording this in the evening on like day three of election week. <laughs> yep, it is November 5th. Um, we still don't know who's won. Um, and everyone's just kind of refreshing the map and Twitter obsessively. So this is a good thing to take a little bit time out of the day and um, get a little bit of a distraction because it's important to be informed. But when things aren't really moving, I don't think there's any harm in, you know, trying to stay sane. So <laughs> well, by the time that this episode goes live, uh, you better damn well know. <laughs> I mean, it would be shocking if we didn't. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, the past and the present just truly meeting in the middle. What, what a, what a, what a day to record. All right. Well, and thank you so much to, um, to all of you for listening and, uh, tuning into this week's episode of pumping up the podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week. Um, we'll be talking about season one, episode 11. It's called Oops, I meddled again. A very solid reference. <laughs> um, Still holds up. For sure. Um, feel free to follow the show on Twitter at Pumping Up the Pod and on Instagram at Pumping Up the Podcast. And until next time, keep on pumping up the party. <laughs>